Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Dr. Morgan Anderson, clinical psychologist, relationship coach, love expert, creator of the ESL relationship method, and athletic wear connoisseur. My mission is to help you raise your self-worth, have great relationships, and step confidently into the next level of your life. Each week, two episodes will air featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract great relationships. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. So buckle up and let's get vulnerable. Do you feel like you keep dating people who won't commit and you've struggled in your dating life? You've gone through all these breakups, or maybe you've even struggled to consistently date and stay in the dating game. And you are actually the one who struggles to commit and let your walls down. I know how exhausting this can be when you have this desire on your heart that you really want that partner, that best friend, that person to build a life with, and yet your dating life is just going nowhere and you can't seem to find a person to build a healthy relationship with. I just know how frustrating that is. And I was able to take everything I know from clinical psychology and attachment theory research and NLP belief work and build a program that can help you no matter what your past has been, even if you've never had a healthy relationship before in your life, this program will help you become the securely attached, healthy, high self-worth version of you who effortlessly attracts that partner that you've always wanted. So spots are really limited. We can only take a small amount of people every month. And I want to invite you to not wait on your healing. Love is for those who are willing to be brave and do the work And you are so deserving of removing the barriers to everything you desire. So I just want to invite you, apply to the Empowered, Secure, Loved program. You get coaching with me and you will be able to embody that version of you that you deserve. And spots, once again, are super limited. So make sure you apply. You can find the link in my Instagram bio. My Instagram handles Dr. Morgan Coaching, and the link will also be in the show notes. I'm so excited for you to embody that healthy, securely attached version of you. You are so worthy of it. Welcome everyone to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. We have a very special guest with us, the one and only Dr. Jessica Griffin. Welcome. So excited to have you. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, Dr. Morgan, for having me on today. Absolutely. And I want to just read your bio just so our audience knows all the things about you. Um, Dr. Jessica Griffin is a clinical and forensic psychologist with a specialty in trauma and relationships. She's an associate professor of psychiatry and pediatrics at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. 
In 2020, Dr. Jessica was awarded a multi-year, multi-million dollar grant to develop the National Resilience Through Relationship Center, which is housed at the University of Massachusetts. She's a former co-host of Lifetime TV's Married at First Sight. I'm sure we have some fans in the audience for sure. She's received numerous awards for her work in the field and has been featured on NPR, Fox News, The New York Post, and many more. She's also the CEO of Love Builder, a relationship company providing online courses to couples, singles, and parents. Welcome, welcome. As we were saying before, you are a busy woman. I love it. I am. Um, work certainly keeps me busy. I also have three kids, um, which are like a day job in and of itself. So um, it's a bit of a juggle sometimes, but. I know anyone who's doing as much as you are in the field, you absolutely have to be passionate, right? It's like the only way that you would keep going. You have to actually really care about this. Um, so I, I love that. And I, I want to just start there with asking you, what was it that brought you to the field of studying relationships and trauma and clearly all this work you've done? How, how did you find yourself in this area? Yeah, it's funny. Um, I think a lot of different paths sort of merged into one, but I've actually wanted to be a psychologist since I was nine years old. I have my little diary from when I was a little girl and writing what I wanted to be when I grew up and I was nine. So early on, I had uh, an idea about wanting to connect with people um, in the way in which we do that. The, the best is through relationships. Um, I think as I you know, went to graduate school and, and even in college, um, in college, one of my, I was on a work study plan. Um, and so one way I was like contributing to my tuition was in a, I work, one of my jobs is in a, a monkey lab. So um, taking care of monkeys and like recording them and then studying their relationships. And, you know, a lot of the early attachment work is looking at, at monkeys, but um, I learned then that I did not want to work with monkeys long but I much preferred <laughs> surprise surprise it was one of the worst I want to work with monkeys <laughs> one of the worst jobs I ever had actually because I had to clean the cages too and oh no when the, with the monkeys in the cages so they would if I forgot to take my earrings out they would like grab the earring and that game monkey in the middle is like a legit monkey game they play they'd like toss it to each other thought oh it was my gosh. so I have nightmares about monkeys and cages but Another story for another day. Um, ultimately, I know I want to work with people. And in my, as I, you know, went through graduate school and was studying attachment and relationships, trauma kept coming up as a, as a major theme and how our pasts often can interfere with our, our present and helping people process their past can really help them to have the, the future they want. And so that's sort of what, as time went along, things gelled together for me. Thank you for sharing that. I think that um, it's always really important to look at like how we got in this field and just realizing that it all ties together and here, here you are making a massive impact. So um, I wanted to shift and talk to you a little bit about your own journey, if you're open to that. Sure. Um, I know we were talking about you just got married. Congrats. Congrats. What, what can you tell us about just your own journey and finding love? And I know that can be like a four hour episode, but what, whatever, 
<laughs> whatever you'd be open to sharing about your own journey. Yeah, sure. And I'm, you know, I'm pretty open about this. I like I've been, I've been happily married. I have been unhappily married. I have been happily single. Um, and I've done the single mom gig for a long time. And, um, and I, as I mentioned earlier, I've always been drawn to you know, relationships in, in general and, um, not necessarily even focusing on my own, but in, in helping other people. So, um, in my twenties, I, you know, fell in love. I was in, in graduate school, ended up getting married, um, to the, the father of my three children. And it was one of those marriages that was good until it wasn't and ended up, you know, functioning, I think more as roommates in a, in a sense. And, He's a he's a great guy. He's a wonderful dad, but it wasn't ultimately the right relationship. I think for for both of us long term, um, but we ultimately knew that we wanted to prioritize our kids over anything. So as much as we may have disliked each other at certain points in time, we always made sure our kids were first. Um, and so that's been really important to me as we've sort of navigated co-parenting things like that. Anywho, um, after my divorce, I, you know, dated here or there, but I really poured myself into my career and my work and my kids. Um, and my kids were my full-time job, plus my other things I was doing professionally. Um, I got involved in Married at First Sight um, after I was doing a series of shows called Seven Year Switch. Yeah. And actually, my story of getting into television is a little different. Um, and I'm not sure I've told this in too many places, but I'll tell you. Um, so, and this is a long answer to your original. I question. love it. I'm here yeah, for I, it. We are here for all, it. It's all connected. <laughs> so I, so my expertise is in trauma. I was at a child abuse conference on the uh, West coast. I'd been dating someone um, at the time and he was, had a very close friend who worked in the entertainment business and we were going to dinner um, with them and we went out to dinner, had some sushi, hit it off um, with folks and his, um, the guy I was dating his, his best friend asked if I would ever consider television. At the time I had a full-time job at the university. I had three really little kids I said, absolutely not. I'm not, that's like not my thing at all. I do a lot of public speaking, but not ever that kind of thing. Local yeah. news. If like there was a tra tragedy in the area, that was about all I could, could handle. So he asked me, I said, absolutely not. And then he kept asking me after I went back home to Massachusetts mm -hmm. and said, would you consider auditioning for the show? And I, he just kept pestering me about it. And finally, I'm like, look, I'll do this interview over Skype, audition over Skype. So I did it. And he's like, it'll just be a fun story. You can tell your kids. So I did it. And it was in my, I had to put my kids to bed. I did it at my dining room table over Skype and the guy that was doing casting for me is like, that was great. I want you to come back in an hour, put a little bit of lipstick on and like loosen up, maybe oh have a glass of wine. I was like, what the heck is this? <laughs> so I did, I put some lipstick on, I changed my clothes, came back and I did it again. And that was like, I think like on a Thursday night and Saturday morning, I got the call that they wanted me to do the show. And I wasn't sure if I could, should do it or not. Um, and I talked to my brother and he's like Jess why not like you need to shake it up you're always worried about everyone else's lives start like yeah. doing something for yourself and so I jumped on a plane got my kids situated and um 
went in, filmed the first uh, episode of first season of Seven Year Switch, which is a show about couples who were really struggling with their relationships. And they had, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but they will essentially swap partners and live with a different spouse. Oh yeah. I've, I've watched all of these shows. Okay. Okay. I'm so a, it's a little, Yeah. So it's a little okay. wild. Um, so I ended up doing that and I, that's how I got into working um, with the production company I was working with. And um, eventually doing Married at First Sight. And if you know, the, or look at the internet or whatever, um, in the course of, of doing Married at First Sight, I ended up meeting John Francetic, who is now my husband. So it's a wild and crazy story. Um, there's a lot of sort of behind the scenes with, with how that all went down. No, I was never seeing him in any sort of romantic <laughs> sense when he was on the show. Yes. Um, there's a, and I can talk more about how that progressed if there's an interest there. But anyway, um, he and I've been together for almost five years now, and we just got married um, in October after postponing our wedding twice. And it's been it's one of these things where I've I've had good relationships, even you know men I've dated since my uh, husband who I was with for for 13 years, and but never like this. And mm-hmm. I was at a point where I wasn't sure if I, I feel like I I'd ran my course and, you know, I was focused on my kids and so focused on work and it, I wasn't expecting it at all. So it sort of came out of left field for me, but um, really happy. I know um, how difficult it is for people to find love. I know how difficult it can be to be in a relationship, a marriage or a long-term dating relationship where you're not happy or you don't feel like you can really be yourself or be you or who you are. Um, I've done that. I've had to make the painful decision to get a divorce and which is the last thing I ever thought I would do when I had gotten married in my twenties. Um, and now I'm 45 and I feel like I can talk about (laughs) the good, bad, and the ugly when it comes to relationships from my own personal experiences. Of course, I've coached hundreds of couples and people over the years um, in their own relationships, um, but you asked me to talk about mine, so here I am. (laughs) Thank you. That was such a beautiful share, and I love the piece about sometimes we don't even know how good it could really be. So you said, like, I didn't know that it could feel like this. That's something that I really relate to, too, of, like, I, after doing my own healing, had secure relationships, but the partner that I'm with now, it's like, wow, I had no idea that it could feel this good, this easy, this fun. That was definitely not modeled to me growing up and not something I knew even existed. So I really relate to you when, when you share that. And I, I just think it's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I, I am totally on the same page with you. It wasn't modeled to me either. And, um, and I also know, you know, gosh, it, it really can feel this good and I really can be myself. And, um, you know, I hope that that can give hope to other people too. Um, and that it's, even if you don't, if you're not in this, the relationship you're in right now, or you're not feeling the way that you want to, there is always um, hope for people and you can find love in really wild ways. Yes, you can. Yes. I love that so much. Totally totally unexpected. That's the irony in all of it. Like here I am on this show, like every like talk about 
all these shows. I did like nine different series and right. saying you can find love in extraordinary ways, <laughs> not ever thinking, holy shit, this is going to, oh, sorry. I can't say it. Can I no, say it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, holy shit. This is happening to me. This was not part yeah. of the deal. Um, but no, it was. So I, yes, I love it so much. I love the irony of it. Um, one funny, funny story is I watched Married at First Sight, but not consistently. But I remember I happened to catch the season with John. Mm-hmm. And as a, a couple's, you know, a couple's therapist, I remember seeing them and I thought, this is so bad. This is so toxic. This is just awful. He needs to, and, and I'm sorry, I don't know if I should say that, but just watching it, I remember thinking, run, John, run. <laughs> And then later on, finding out that you two ended up, and I, I thought it was great. So, yeah, it was funny. And so, let me be clear: in my role in the in the show is not a couples therapist, right? So yes, consultation to the cast of a show, and I'm a relationship expert. Um, but the optics are certainly not great, especially as the timing of how things air sure. versus happened in reality um that said like when we were filming he and I actually didn't care for one another I thought he was arrogant and um Mm. I I really admired him from afar but he and he thought it was I you know my job as a consultant to cast of a television show is very different than a therapist absolutely and And there's contracts in place and all the things that say that yes and waivers and all that oh yeah that said we have a short period of time um, with couples. So we, we call balls, balls and strike strikes, and that's our role. And so it's very different than a, a therapist relationship. And so sometimes it can feel a little, you know, I'm saying actually what's happening is not okay. And I might, if I were doing therapy, take a little bit. Of It'd time. be different. Absolutely. Um, and so I think there was, I think probably for both of them, they, they didn't want to work with me um, um, during that time. But it's the, the thing that people don't, I think, fully appreciate about the show. And, you know, Molly's taken so much heat over the years, uh, which is unfortunate because there's so much to the backstory that people don't know. Um, but the other part of it is that the pressure that they have with just being filmed for hours and hours and hours a day. Oh. They're sleep deprived because yeah. they're trying to do their regular job. Then they have to film. And then, so it so it's a lot going in. And on one hand, it gives stress so that couples can also, you know, a lot of them bond over it. There are people who are madly in love, who have families. It's like yeah. beautiful. Um, but there is, I think, this element you can't quite capture of having the vulnerability and exposure you have to putting your private life on public with absolutely absolutely that's a really good point thank you for all that context sure so have this is a random question that just came to me but have you watched the ultimatum i i haven't i have not i've seen i've seen snippets of it it's on my list of things to get to i'm like on this like cooking show kick lately but oh um, that would be much less stressful I think like it's a very stress inducing show at least for me to watch but your show the the seven-year switch I think was probably more like the original ultimatum but I it's true like tv show needs to be entertaining it needs to get us to want to watch the next episode so there's all kinds of things that aren't necessarily healthy for a regular relationship dynamic that end up on tv um, so I think we all need to remember that, that TV 
isn't exactly how we should go about relationships in the real world, right? Exactly. And the other thing in defense of, uh, you know, all the couples and people have done the shows is and they are real people. The boring stuff, your day to day, you sitting and snuggling on the couch for, you know, two hours watching Netflix is not going to make it on television or you're just going to see a little tiny snippet. So it's, you know, you see the pieces of their lives that um, tell a story, um, which is important for the audience to know. But all of those other parts that, you know, all the relationship building and things that they're doing behind the scenes don't always make it because there's you're also telling stories of multiple couples. So there's only so much time they can do that in. Um, yes. Makes sense. Such an important point. Such an important point. Um, I want to shift a little bit and talk oh. about your book. Yes. Tell so, us about it. So I, we have um, a new book I will show you. Relationship Rx, uh, Prescriptions for Lasting Love and Deeper Connection. And Pepper and I, Dr. Pepper from Married at First Sight, and I um, wrote this book together. And this came after um, her and I talking about some of the sort of the more extreme situations that have happened in Married at First Sight and, you know, couples we've worked with over the years. And this was one of our late night or early morning conversations, series of them um, after filming or hanging out together. And wouldn't it be great if couples could have like the relationship advice, the exercises, all those things that we talked about with our, our couples and in a way that is packaged together so that they don't have to do something more extreme so that they don't have to get an intensive couples therapy or go on a reality television show to try to save their relationship, that there actually are things that we could be doing in our daily lives and our daily relationships that could help us have the relationships we want or strengthen really good relationships now, or help to fix relationships that are struggling. And so that's why we, so it was really over a series of us hanging out in our hotel rooms or coffee or over wine, um, talking about, wouldn't it be great? And we decided we wanted to, when I, uh, we were talking about this before I left the show and, and had been working on some things. And then when I left the show, I had, um, it, for me, it was really important to continue to have some sort of platform to, to reach people. Uh, one of the things I love the most, besides getting to know couples um, and people doing the show and, and all the great crew we worked with, um, was being able to reach people at home in a platform that I would not professionally from a university academic setting be able to reach. Mm -hmm. So some of my favorite things have been couples writing me about, you know, something I might have talked about on a show that they tried the same thing and it really helped their relationship. So I was like, well, wouldn't it be great if we could do that um, in the form of a book? And so that's what Pepper and I did. I had developed some relationship courses and some other things, but she and I wanted to do this book together. Um, so we did. And over the last two years, I've been working on this. And um, finally, it's coming to fruition. So we're really excited about it. And um, she has a lot to say. And it's it's based on our experiences with couples we've worked with in lots of settings. It's also based on her and I um, and our own personal lives, knowing that we've had times where both of us have been happily married. Um, both of us have been happily divorced and both of us have known how painful it can be to make a decision to end a relationship or to not have the looking back, not having had the tools or the exercises or strategies that we could have used in our own relationships. Um, and now knowing what we now know better, but 
would have been nice to have a book that could help. So. <laughs> um, I love it so much. I, the, the book that I just wrote, I had that same thought of, wow, I really needed this in my early twenties when I was dating, like if this book would have been handed to me, it would have changed things. So I love that you have that framework of knowing that, Hey, couples really need these things and it can be preventative. It can help them no matter where they're at in their relationship, just have things that they can actually apply. Um, when I wrote a book too, is very experiential. It's like, get out your workbook. This is an yep. experiential. It's not a passive read. So it sounds like yours is the same. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. It, there is some experiential components to it. And I, I think the way we organized it, we tried to be very thoughtful um, so that we could reach the most people. So we have basically like three levels in each chapter of couples that are different stages in their relationships. Um, and you don't have to be married for this to be an appropriate book for you. But the first level is like mild relationship issues or no relationship issues. And we call that sort of our vitamins level. So basically the idea is that you take your daily vitamin for your relationship. Mm -hmm. And here's some things that you could do every day or every week just to keep you strong and healthy in, in your marriage or your long-term relationship. And so we'll, you'll, you'll meet a couple in each chapter. In each chapter, you meet three couples. So the first couple will be one, a couple that's doing all right. You know, maybe they have a couple blips here or there, but they're they're doing pretty well. But both of them would love to be happier or have a stronger connection. So there's some um, strategies we'll, we'll use there. The second tier would be couples who are having more moderate difficulties in their relationships. Maybe, um, you know, they're not headed to divorce court, but they're, they're, have, they're struggling and there's been some issues that have come up and they're at what we call our medicine level. So we get more intensive exercises and strategies for couples that are really struggling there. And then the last level is people with severe relationship problems. And this is our CPR level. And this is where we talk, we focus less on this, this set of couples other than to suggest different types of professionals to work with, different resources, exercises that can help sort of keep things together until they're working with professionals. Um, but this is where we conquer things like addiction, um, you know, extremely toxic relationships, that type of thing. People who have been talking about divorce where there's significant infidelity, that would be at that CPR level. Mm -hmm. So in each chapter, we talk about a different theme, trust, sex, children. Um, each mm -hmm. chapter's got a different theme. And then you meet three couples at each level. So one couple that's doing pretty well when it in, comes to the bedroom activities, but they of course wouldn't mind spicing things up or trying something different or preventing issues from happening down the road. The second couple maybe having some issues there or not on the same page when it comes to sex. And then the third couple is really struggling. And this is where maybe there's an addiction wow. or fidelity. So there are exercises that go with each chapter um, that are easy things that you can do at home. You don't have to see a therapist to do these exercises. And that's the idea is that most couples will wait an average of six years until things are so far gone to seek professional help. Mm -hmm. So what if you could get help sooner and maybe there's things that we could all do in our daily lives that could help to, to strengthen our marriages or relationships. So that's the overall premise. Well, I know everyone listening is ready to buy this. Where, where can they get the book? 
So you can get it through um, your Amazon outlet, Barnes and Noble, other booksellers, wherever you buy your books, you can access um, Relationship RX. Um, and I, I will certainly link to it on my Instagram right. several weeks. Um, and yes. Also, um, and through and also through our publisher uh, Roman and Littlefield um, great on their site we'll have it in the show notes too so you can find it I am just so excited for people to have this resource um as you were sharing about this a question for you came up for me I would love to know what is something that you and John do as a ritual or practice that you really love that helps you maintain connection as oh, a couple? Such a good question. There's a, we, there's a lot of things we do. I'll, I'll give you one or two. Um, so, and, and the poor guy, like this, this he's like been the guinea pig for all my stuff. He's like, it's like seriously, what are you doing? Like, Dr. Jessica mode or where are you? What are you doing? <laughs> so, like, so good. All right, so I just good. need to try this out. Honey. Um, so, one of the things, actually, it's really important to me. So um, I have shared parenting with my my ex-husband. And so we have a, a pretty a schedule where they're with me about 50% of the time, sometimes more. Um, but when they go with their dad, one of the things that John and I do is we usually go out for a date night. It's just sort of a nice transition for him and I, because when my kids are here, I'm in mom mode. And yes, he is, he's at the top of my list too. There's three of them and they're loud and they have all their sports and all this stuff. And yes. so it helps us to focus on one another. So we always do some sort of, of date night, um, whether it's like yesterday we got pedicures and went out for dinner, but like, I love, I love a man that will get a pedicure. That but, is amazing. <laughs> and he's funny because we'll talk about he, Okay, now I'm TMI, but um, I told him, I'm like, listen, the only color, like, I just, I don't think I can wrap my head around you having like red toenails, pink toenails, or he's like, what about purple? I'm like, not lilac color, but maybe like dark purple. <laughs> he's done like blue when we've traveled or like nothing. But, oh my gosh. Uh, I love it. He's such a goof. So I love it. It's fun. Yeah. So that's, that's one thing that we do. Um, I think that's really important for us. We're, we're all, we're both very active people physically. So we um, do like working out together, hiking, um, you know, making sure that we're going outdoors. Our number one go-to though is traveling. We love to travel together and try new places and we'll sort of take turns at, you know, where do you want to go? Where do you, like Montana yes. on the list. <laughs> we're talking about, yes. Go to Yellowstone. Yes. Yeah. Yellowstone would love to see that. So that's um, something that we, that we do. Um, I think over, you know, it's having him coming into a situation where I'm established, I'm, you know, successful. I have three kids and we've had our own routines and having to like learn going from like bachelor living in Boston with, you know, the number of women he was dating was like lined up down the mass pike. Like he had a very different lifestyle before me. And I was very clear on this is what you're signing up for, dude. Um, so coming yeah. in, we've had to sort of work things out over the years as far as, you know, I've had to give a little, he's had to give a lot and um, to, to make it work. But, um, and then when the kids come back, we do like pajama night and we all watch a movie or, and pick out, you know, what movie we're watching together or play a game or something mm. like that. We'll some sort of like reconnection activity. I love this. I love that so much. The 
It's, it's like, it doesn't have to be this big elaborate practice that you develop. It's these small things that done consistently really add up over time. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't have to be this exactly a super expensive thing. It doesn't have to be, you know, Valentine's Day is coming up. It doesn't have to be the grand gesture, right? It could be like a coupon book you make for your significant other, or it could be some of like our best memories. We were just talking about this actually, um, going camping, which like doesn't cost a lot, but and it rains where some people will be like, oh my gosh, it's raining. This is terrible. And it was like, so fun. We just like hung out in the rain in the tent, made a cheese plate on like turned a cooler upside down. Um, so there are things you could do without having to like spend a lot of money. Um, and you know, things that you can do on a daily basis that can keep you, you know, yes. Yes. And this idea of two established people combining their lives. I went through that with my boyfriend as well. who's also a bachelor. When I moved into his house, he did not have a kitchen table. Swear to God, there was what no was kitchen table. his food on? Oh, he had like a bar with a stool. Or did he just go out every night for dinner? Oh, no, oh, no, no. He was, he was eating, but it was, it was just kind of a disaster. But the one that kills me is in his office, he did not have an office chair. You will you will not believe this. He literally was sitting on a bucket. <laughs> like I moved in and I was like, what is happening? Like, what is this? Does he have an aversion to furniture? <laughs> he was just not concerned with furniture. And he also is the very frugal one between the two of us. So I, I can totally relate to combining your lives with someone you know, after week three, I was like, Hey, we're going to go buy a kitchen table. You know, there's, there's always ways that you have to adjust. And the beautiful thing is you get to grow together, right? Like you each get to grow and learn. Cause I'm sure there's things you've learned from John. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's, it's funny. Um, one of the things and he actually helped us with our, um, chapter on finances in our, in our book is he's in finance. One of the things that he's helped me with, you know, even though I've, you know, been working a long time, I do all right for myself. Um, I, money in this, I think was just something ingrained in me growing up is, is just very hard to talk about. So finances and just sort of like doing a budget, all of those things. Um, and he made it, we, we've been able to, one of the things that we do, you know, on a pretty consistent basis is sort of where are we financially, what happened when it comes to, okay, we want to plan travel. We want to do this. I've got kids that are getting older and I've got to think about college. Like, um, and he's taught me so much in, in how to have financial conversations that don't feel overwhelming. Um, especially like for you and your boyfriend, if, if he's more frugal and you may have a different sort of used to a different lifestyle, um, and not, you know, for me, I'm not somebody who like checks my bank account every you know week or like knows what's, what's where I'm not like that. Um, but I also know the, it's important to stay on, on top of things, but being able to have those conversations about finances and in a way that is not threatening, um, has been. Yes. Oh, I love that. And I, I do think at least from my own experience and couples I've worked with, it seems like there's always one person in the relationship that's more comfortable that can really take the lead Yes. Um, and if there's not, then you both get to learn how to have those conversations together. But so helpful when you do have someone who's like, hey, let's sit down and talk about our finances yeah. and do it once a month and put it all out on the table. Right. So yeah. helpful. 
And it's not scary. I keep telling him, I'm like, you need to do a podcast or something for people that. Yeah. So you can just make it easy. And yes. And all it's free time. Yes. Right. Well, so many good things that we've already talked about. Um, I think the other, I mean, I feel like I have so many other things I could ask you, but one of the other things that comes to mind is just any advice you would give to someone who is really struggling and maybe they're not sure whether or not they should leave a relationship or stay, um, or they're just really, really, um, not able to see a better relationship future and just really struggling. I guess just any advice you would give somebody who's kind of lost their hope in this category. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a hard place to be in and I'm sure you've probably been in the, the same place before. I think we all have, um, the, you know, the first thing to keep in mind is that there's never, you know, all hope is never lost. And the, one thing that I have learned in my 20 something years of doing this professionally is that many of us are hurt in the context of relationships. And it's also through a healthy, secure relationship that we can heal. And you don't have to be fully healed or perfect to have a relationship that is a good and healthy one for you. I think there's a myth that, um, you know, you have to have, be, have all your stuff completely figured out before you find a, you know, healthy relationship or, or partner. Um, and, and I think the, what's different now, what we've learned is that it's not that you're not, that you have to be whole and completely fixed all of your issues. It's that it's the right partner that you found that right person for you. Um, and so, you know, for people who are struggling, I think it depends what the reasons are that they're struggling. I would, I would, you know, if you've been married for some time, you know, what I'll say to couples is when you make that painful decision to get a divorce, you want to make sure that you can answer the question, have I done everything I can um, to try to save this marriage? If I believe that some part of it is worth saving, of course, you know, I'd change my tune if, if the relationship is abusive or violent in any way, I would not support that. Um, but, um, you know, for couples who are, are struggling, have you, have you sort of exhausted the different possibilities of, you know, trying to, you know, save the, the relationship? Um, and then there's sometimes that where relationships are not, it, that isn't the relationship that's worth saving. And in fact, staying in that is preventing you from being with somebody who truly um, is a, a better um, partner for you. And so, um, you know, keep in mind that hope is not lost. It's through relationships that we can heal and you don't have to be perfect and have all your issues worked out. I think for a long time, every self-help book I would like pick up um, in my twenties and thirties was like, you've got to figure yourself out. Don't ever be codependent. Oh my gosh. You're so right. No, it's a myth, dude. It's not, it doesn't work like that. And it's with the, the right partner where you can actually really grow and be who you are. And you know, I will talk and I feel this way myself personally too, is finding the person where you can be yourself, where you don't have to sugarcoat it. Of course, when you're on your first date, you don't need to tell them like everything, everything. Yeah. You know, but like ultimately where you can be who you are, you know, don't feel like you're being judged for it. And you can, um, pay attention to sort of how you even feel in your body when you're around that person. So different from butterflies, but like, do you actually feel like 
I can exhale with this person, or do I feel constantly tense and on my guard? And that's pay attention to those signs too. Cause if you feel like you're in a relationship where you consistently feel like you can't physically relax your body, your body's trying to tell you something. That's such, such good advice. I, I love this so much. I think that myth that you have to be fully healed. It's just such a way to try to sell things really. What, yeah. what I would say is we have to acknowledge the ways that we need to heal and kind of have that awareness. And then I think also say, I'm going to take ownership for my healing. So it's not like I'm going into the relationship and expecting the other person to do it for me. So I'm taking ownership of my role and then also being open to what you talked about, which is that corrective emotional experience, right? Or the healing that can take place within the relationship and not shutting yourself off from that. Um, so yeah, such an important point. That could be a whole other podcast, but I love <laughs> that you that you mentioned that. When I talk in the book about this idea that when we enter relationships, we show up with this like invisible suitcase you know, call it baggage, call it whatever you want, but we all have them. And part of developing a healthy relationship is to start to gently, slowly unpack each other's suitcase and understand what they're bringing to the relationship and maybe help them repack it. It doesn't mean that we're doing it for them, um, but understanding our partner, them understanding sort of what we're bringing into um, the relationship from our own past can be really helpful and understanding like why they might've acted a certain way mm-hmm. uh, when we've, you know, we left. That's the beautiful. You know what I mean? Like, yes. I, I love, I love that metaphor, the invisible suitcase. That's so, so good. And yes, we all have them. There's, there's, there's some of us that pretend that we don't, but we all have them. Absolutely. So learning how to unpack it in a way where your partner can support you in repacking it. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so good. Well, I always ask my guests this final question. Um, So I'm going to ask you, um, you're walking down the street and someone comes up to you and they're asking you for your best life advice, just of the moment. This doesn't have to be like your all time best life advice, but currently if someone asks you that randomly, what would you say? Oh, wow. This is a good question. Um, I would say pay attention to what we call your affiliate response. So I'll explain what I mean. Um, In life, I'm sure you've heard, Morgan, the the fight, flight, freeze response that we have under stress, right? And as human beings, you know, we're just like animals and we have these different responses we have under stress. Um, but dating back to saber tooth tiger days, right? Mm-hmm. So if I see a saber tooth tiger, I can, um, you know, fight the tiger, right? Or I can freeze and hope the tiger walks by me, or I can flee, flight, and run away from the tiger and hopefully I outrun a saber tooth tiger. Nine times out of ten, I'm pretty sure that tiger is going to eat me. Um, what we don't talk about or hear about as much is the fourth response that we have that's unique to human beings, which is the affiliate response or befriend response, which is actually an evolutionary response we have in addition to fight, flight, freeze. It's actually to connect to other people. So if you think about it, dating back to caveman days, does it make sense for me to fight the saber-toothed tiger on my own or me to run away from a saber-toothed tiger? 
or, you know, I don't have claws like a tiger. I don't have legs that can outrun a saber tooth tiger. And I certainly am way too big for a saber tooth tiger to notice me if I'm trying to freeze. So he ignores me. Yeah. Um, but what I can do is I can connect to other people, whether that's friends, whether it's romantic partner, whether it's family members, so that we can come up with a plan to figure out what to do with that tiger. And so I would say, tap into your affiliate response, tap into connection, whatever the stress is, the way to prevent that stress from becoming toxic to your physiology, to your relationships is through connection. And so whatever you can do, um, especially in this sort of post-pandemic life to learn to reconnect to people and reach mm. to people, um, to take the time to do that because it ultimately is through relationships in which healing can occur, but also in way in way we can really buffer the impact of stress on ourselves. That's so beautiful. I love it. I think that is not talked about. So thank you so much. I think people are going to really take that to heart. Sure. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, I appreciate you talking to me. Yes, this has been such a fun day. I know, such a fun interview. I have just loved this conversation and I'm definitely here cheering you on. Can't wait for everyone to get your book. If people want to connect with you, obviously they're going to get your book, but if they want to also connect with you, what's the best way? Probably through, I would say probably through Instagram is, is a good way to do that. Um, so you can message me on there. I just have to get better about looking at my messages on Instagram. <laughs> it can I get also, so overwhelming. I know. It, it is. It's so overwhelming. And I'll get like, if I post something, I'll get like a hundred messages. I'm like, I'm sorry, you guys. I can't yes. all of these. And <laughs> in my kid's basketball game. I know. Um, I also, my website, I need to update, but it's um, drjessica.com. There's a way to connect with me there and it will loop to send me emails um, through that. And that's another good way to amazing say those two ways amazing well everyone when you get the book make sure that you tag dr jessica um let her know all your amazing feedback and tell her how much you appreciated this episode so thank you once again for coming on it's been so fun and of course both of us are wishing you all high self-worth and great relationships yes thank you take care everybody You guys, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate each and every one of you. The best way that you can thank me is by sharing this episode on Instagram, Facebook, and making sure that you tag me at Dr. Morgan Coaching. And it would really mean the world to me if you took just two minutes to leave me a five-star review on iTunes. This podcast is not free to produce, And the more that you help this little show grow, the more people will have access to this valuable information. So until next time, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Thank you for being part of this community.